0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode 25 of the Believe Knicks podcast. Matthew Miranda joined, as always, by Stacey Patton. And today we are also going to be joined by a special guest, an exciting guest, a first-time guest. But before we reveal the guest, Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget, Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? You know who Joe Flynn is picking? I probably just gave away. I just just gave away who they guessed. That's called working it in organically. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join, and use our promo code Believe—that's B-L-E-A-V—to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So where the episode starts is—I've already given away who the guest is. Today's guest is the editor and consigliere of PostingAndToasting.com. Very happy to have him on board for the first time. Joseph Flynn. Welcome to the show, Joe Flynn. How are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing pretty well. It's nice to... Ha- thank you for having me.
0: Very exciting to have nice Joe to talk on. Talk with <laughs> my mouth. Nick stuff. Yeah, there's, there's so many takes today that we had to legally divide it between three people, lest it be too much for me or Stacey. Um, we
2: gotta talk Malachi Branham at some point, by the way, because I know Joe's been bringing I'm, him up. I'm
1: gonna. I feel like this week is gonna be my Branham like cramming week. Uh, you know, I'm I'm I, I remember watching him in the tournament and was excited about him. So, yeah.
2: There's a there's a lot there, and it takes a lot, by the way, for me to praise a Buckeye <laughs> or want him on my team. So, uh, yeah.
0: So we're gonna talk a few things today. First thing we want to discuss is a little um, kind of vane question that came up when the Pelicans were fighting to qualify for the playoffs. Um, obviously, they did and are now promptly being spanked around by Phoenix. Uh, the question that was going around the other night, would you rather have had the Pelicans advance and, as occurred, improve the Knicks lottery odds to 11th, or would you rather have had the Pelicans get knocked out continue a narrative of failure and increase your Zion odds just a little bit more on the push to New York. So Joe Flynn, you are a guest in our home. Would you rather have had reality play out the way that it did, or if you could get back in a DeLorean and help make the Pelicans lose, is that a better future you think for the Knicks?
1: Uh, Give me that pick, man. Give me that higher pick. Give me 11. Um, Before, maybe I would have uh, basked in their failure, but – The Knicks can pick uh, players now, good players, in the draft, so uh, they have a little bit of a track record of picking good guys these last two years. So I say keep it going. Um, And also, I mean, there's so many NBA teams to hate. The Pelicans, I, I mean, I hate David Griffin, the GM, but there's so many. You know, he's he's low on the totem pole of Guys, you want to hate um, if you're a Knicks fan, as old as I am, you know, you got to you built up a quite a list, an enemies list, Nixonian in length. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I, I mean, I would have to agree. Um, I, Pelicans' Twitter is also kind of annoying. I'm just gonna throw <laughs> that out Small there. Small market, it's all they talk about. Uh, which is a shame because uh, a lot of the big guys on Pelican Twitter, I really like their basketball analysis when they talk basketball. But um, so the Knicks have not had great history with the 11th pick. Um, they had the first time they picked 11th was Jerry Mullen in 1955. Second time was Kelly Coleman in 1960, around the time my dad was born. Um And then they had Harry Aiken in 1966. Um, But yeah, I mean, I want the better pick. Um, I don't think this is going to move. I mean, if you're watching what's happening to the Pelicans right now, they are running into a Phoenix Suns Budsaw that apparently now also features DeAndre Ayton shooting threes, which should scare everyone. (laughs) Um, But... um, you know, uh, yeah, like they got the, they got one, uh, one higher pick. This is a draft that it's very volatile at exactly the range where the Knicks are. Stop me if you've heard that before. Um, and uh, so I think it helps. And yeah, I mean, I think the more I look into the draft and part of this is what always happens when the Knicks inevitably end up worse than what we would be ideal. You just start talking yourself into guys, but based on what the Knicks need, I think they're in a much better I think they're in a capable spot i think there's gonna be some good options and i think for for what it's worth i think that would have been the case at 12 or 11. um but they can now get slightly higher odds at top four which that is a huge difference because um in this draft the top four is pretty clearly defined and there's a few guys in there uh, who would really um you know be inflection points in terms of additions for the knicks but i think there's a few guys that at 11 and 12 that are interesting, and especially with what the Knicks have shown with their talent. I mean, they haven't missed on a pick yet, have they? Like, I think the closest people, like, you'll have people who say, well, they should have taken Desmond Bain over Emmanuel quickly. That is, I think, the Let's craziest. You shut up. <laughs> they should shut up. And it's the 25th pick. I mean, crazy, like,
0: wait, who, who did you just say? Desmond Bain?
2: Desmond Bain's awesome. Like, I yeah, wanted him. So but it's Bain also... Says
0: that the Knicks should have taken Maxi over, apparently, Obi Toppin. So...
2: Yeah, and, and that's... But also Maxi one twenty first. Like, 13 other teams made that mistake. I think Halliburton over Toppin is a little bit more fair, but also, like, it would make more... Like, I understand if people are like, we took Kevin Knox over Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Michael Bridges... Sorry, I don't want to traumatize people, but <laughs> Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Michael Bridges, Miles Bridges, and uh, Michael Porter Jr., as well as a bunch of... By the way, if you look at the list, it's, it's pretty depressing, but that aside what that list includes mitchell robinson by the way it would have been a better pick at nine but um but the point is like obi Toppin has looked really good so i don't think this front office has missed on a pick yet really
0: so this is going to tie into something i wanted to ask about leon rose um let's say the Knicks don't advance or even if they do i guess this will apply either way um I was, I was thinking earlier today about Leon Rose and his letter, his email to the next season ticket holders. And one of his themes in the email is how they have continued to successfully build this young core. He mentioned how many players are on um, their first contracts, how many were under, I think, 24. And I want to commit to that and be excited because I think with what I saw this season, the most positive takeaway I took was what the young players showed that they can do. But my head keeps running into this brick wall that Leon Rose, like that specific human being, Leon Rose and worldwide West, like those guys were not brought in to develop a young promising core of players who can win like 42 games next year and maybe 45 the year after. And then, Let's see where we are in 2026. Like, I feel like whatever is accumulating, Leon Rose was hired to turn it into Donovan Mitchell or something like that. There's obviously no way to know this. I'm just really interested in your kind of spiritual self as a Nick fan. Joe tends to be very bright and optimistic about everything, clearly. So <laughs> um, I'm just curious, like, do you believe that if the young core is, is, is a path or the path to take going forward, that this front office is your inclination that the Knicks could follow that path? Or do you think it's like star Wars and like you, you're going to, your nature's going to win out and you're going to be what you're going to be. And that's going to mean these people are getting traded at some point.
2: I'll let Joe take a crack at that first. Oh,
1: thank you. Well, I have to say, um, the word on the street was that the world wide West was the guy who was behind the quickly pick. So he, mm. um, I mean, he is – yes, he is like the influencer type of guy, but uh, apparently knows ball uh, unless he was just picking him because he went to Kentucky. I hope not. Um, I hope he saw something in quickly, and that panned out very well for the Knicks, I believe. So that's a good question. I do worry about – yeah, I obviously we're all watching the jazz uh, – who who are the Jazz playing? The Dallas Mavericks without Luca right now series,
2: and without uh, um, a certain player that the Knicks traded to them.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, Frank is out, isn't he? No, it was a trade. It was a trade. He he signed. So. Um, what was I going? Oh yeah. So the the thing that worries me is yes. Them pushing all their chips into the, the center of the table. I don't think it's the time yet. I would pre- preach patience with this young group because a lot of them have, I think, more than what they have shown this year because of Tibbs. Because of you know they didn't get to play as much as they should have, and you know especially with like Obi Toppin. When you think about it, if if he's included in any deal, an, an opposing GM is going to be like. Oh, look, you only played, you know, what, 12, 1,200 minutes. Uh, you know, you were a you know, 10, 11-minute-a-game guy for much of the year. Uh, oh, you did some stuff in April. Who cares? You know, we're, we're not valuing that. And uh, I think Obi is shown to be the kind of player who deserves those minutes and to to hopefully show it in New York. And if you want to trade him after that, then that's a, you know – Maybe I could live with that, but right now I'm just feeling like Rose should uh, hit the brakes and uh, make some make some tweaks. I know I'm sure Stacy agrees with me that a certain certain player, uh, certain power forward, probably needs to be uh, needs to be off the team next year. But um, you know, other than that, a couple of tweaks, and you know, maybe it, maybe at the trade deadline next year. See, see who is available.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know we can talk about Randall. Um, I think that um, here's the thing: if he's, um, if he's, I think that when you compare Obi to Randall, right? What Randall has is things that come with being "quote unquote" the guy. Obi is not going to be; he doesn't have the ball handling. That I mean Randall, you know, we've we can you know, have seen all the spin moves, we've saw seen all the, the fumbles, but he his coordination, his handle, uh his ability to will himself into a shot, Obi doesn't have that. Um he's not gonna draw doubles the same way as Randall. And on defense I will say as much as the effort from Randall hasn't been there, he can switch really well. He was honestly probably our best option against Trey Young last year in the playoffs, which is both an indictment on the perimeter defenders, and this is where I ask everyone, like, we needed Reggie Bullock and Trey Young for defense, and I'm like, yeah, that's why the defense failed, not because Mitch was out of shape for the first month and uh Noel was hurt and all of that, but getting back to the point, the thing is, if Randall, if we I think we can all agree that the Knicks offense, this Knicks team right now is better when they don't play the way they did last year, which I'm not saying last year wasn't the best option, but we don't agree, right? That like feeding Randall in the post, letting him draw a double and then playing off of that, that's not where the Knicks are at their best right now, right? Yes. That includes Randall because Randall, he had a two months, one month to two months, somewhere in that range of good stretch where he played with pace Sometimes he'd handle the ball, but he was looking to move it or looking to set a screen, whether it's a dribble handoff, a pick and roll. Um, And when he set screens, it wasn't just the kind of very much telegraphed. I'm setting this purely to get a a switch at 25 feet and ISO. Someone who actually is much more capable of switching onto me than I assume. Mm -hmm. Um, It was much more dynamic. Um, You know, He's good in that role as a role man. But so is Obi. And if we hadn't seen any of the issues with Randall in terms of the effort, in terms of all of this stuff outside, you would still have to ask yourself, is what I'm paying this person $26 million or whatever it's going to be, you know, AAV is $26 million, it's $23 next year, it goes up to about $29. Is that worth that much more than Obi, especially if Obi is entering year three now? And this is another thing, Matt, where, you know, we have to, to your original question with the young guys, Obi and IQ... Have had probably diminished roles compared to what we'd want, but the argument has been you know, they're getting their development hasn't been hurt. Next year, the argument is not going to be their development is getting hurt. Their argument will be uh, now I'm losing money because after year three is when you're eligible for an extension. Um, and if even if they say, well, you can you know you can seek free agency, restricted free agency after year four, you only have one year. So that's where you might start to see here a little bit. We've heard Mark Berman has said that Quickly's camp, Quickly has obviously been a really good soldier. Quickly's camp has had issues with his role. And so if you don't open up those minutes, that does something else. But even if you say, well, we just want to put the best player out there, and if he can't handle it, suck it up, fine. Is Randall giving you that much more value? In that role. If we assume like all of the arguments for Randall basically are around him being quote unquote the guy. And if you want to use him as a role man anyway, if you want to use him as an ancillary piece anyway in your ideal offense, is he really that much better than Obi? And that's without considering the fact that his effort is sporadic. And Obi runs the floor, and Obi's not a great defender, but he plays his he plays his ass off. And he, one thing he offers is he protects the rim. Well, he averages a block a game or sorry, a block per 36 and he's longer and he's more athletic. Um, And that's what leans me. Like, even if you didn't have all of the other stuff, I would still say from a value perspective, it's good. And then that's without considering the fact that we have other guys that we might want to try at the four. RJ has looked good at the four in certain lineups, right? Cam Reddish has that ability. Based on where the Knicks are picking, there's a few six, eight, six, nine guys who you can try there at the four. Um, So you know, it just it makes sense from that perspective.
0: Joe, it sounds like you're done with Randall. Are you done with Randall at all? In part because you're that sold on Obi, or just because you're done with Randall? You want me to go? Yeah.
1: Stacey, okay, I'll go. Yeah, yeah, Joe. We're both done with Randall, I think. So, um, I have to say it's like uh, sixty forty. Obi, I I'm a believer. I'm absolutely a believer, and um, one of the you know obi one of the excuses that the Obi wasn't ready crowd this year that Obi wasn't ready crowd has is that. Oh, well, you know, he wasn't shooting the three well earlier in the year. Well, he was by design parked in the corner in the offense, you know, forced to just jack up threes because, you know, that's what the offense was. And he didn't have to do that. And he was still shooting. The three was worse than Randall, but everything else he was shooting, you know, over like 56%, something like that, Uh, you know, because when it comes to inside the arc he is you know if he gets close to the rim he has such great touch and he's such an athlete that he was unstoppable and it only came out at the end of the year where they finally took him out of the corner a little bit and let him get in his role so now randall was so obnoxious this year oh my god that's why that's where the 40 percent comes in he was just i mean we've Matt, you know we've seen some bad players on the Knicks over the years. It's it's not it's not the worst thing in the world to be bad at your job playing basketball. It's to be bad and then to be that like morose, grumpy, uh, lethargic.
0: This was lazy like Isaiah say. Knicks level negativity around Randall. Yes, like like half the team was like that back in the day, and it generally hasn't. But it stuck out
2: so much more this year because nearly everyone else played with such an enthusiasm, right? I'm saying,
0: like, it stands out um, because it's been so rare since then, and it stands out especially now because he was the only player, I think, even when you saw, you know, and they're younger, so I think we give them more of a benefit of the doubt about this, but, like, when Quickly was struggling with certainly his shot earlier in the year, I never felt like writing, you know, quickly off because, honestly, his energy to me still always felt like He's trying to find a way to contribute to win, and even, but, offense, but even yeah, I think offense. Alec Burks is
2: really like illustrative, right? Like yeah. he was played, I think, out of position. When they asked him about it, I don't think he was super enthusiastic about being the starting point guard. Played forty minutes a game. Um, we've seen his at rim. By the way, just a aside: watch young Alec Burks highlights, and he used the yam on dudes. Like, it did. It did. <laughs> the fact. The fact that he shot worse from two than from three this year is like, uh, it's a full one eighty, right? Um, but um, don't get old. But uh-huh. he he was he was a pro's pro. Fournier had his issues and he had some bad games with effort. But I also think even he didn't have the same level of of negativity. Kemba Kemba I thought was reasonably. He's limited, you know, in terms of what he can do at this point. But I don't think his effort went down.
1: Yeah, I've been I've been saying recently that um one of the keys to thriving as a New York Nick in this century is that you have to be like resistant to the vibes that creep up around this organization uh, most years. The vibes are terrible and uh randall you know two out of three years although his first year he was terrible under Fisdale and he sort of got better under mike miller uh, but this year you know the vibes got him and uh, the, you know the bad Knicks vibes and you just you, you know you have to be able to fight through that quickly fought through that ob for two years i mean you know it took like two and a half years for him to get the playing time that he should and, uh, and our, you know, arguably he struggled as a, as a rookie, but, you know, you would expect a lottery pick to play more than he did and to be able to get through his, you know, play through his struggles. Obi was, you know, amazing, amazingly positive about the whole thing. And I just think his time has come, you know, and Randall, I mean, if this were another situation where like a guy was pretty good and a veteran and you know he was usurped by a younger player and he could you know become like more of a sixth man you know it's happened before but i just i don't see that with randall on this team i think uh he could he could do very well on another team as a sixth man type he did that in new orleans a couple of years ago uh but uh i just don't see it happening for the Knicks, and that's why you know you know you got to get rid of him
0: I'm sure there's precedent for it, but can you think of a guy who was, uh, and and all like the the lead player on his team, and then went back to a sixth man role when there wasn't an obvious like superior player to come ahead of him? Like, I I agree with you that I think Randall could be an incredibly he could dominate as a sixth man. I would still argue that there's no one on the Knicks that I'm I'm positive today is clearly a better player overall than Randall, you know? So uh, Barrett could be there soon, but I I wouldn't put him there like today. Can you think of a time where a team salary aside, I'm trying, like I know there are guys like Kevin McHale was awesome, but he basically was always like a sixth man. He embraced that early. Um, Sprewell played that role when he first came to the Knicks after he had been you know blacklisted for a year um but i'm trying to think of a player who went from i just can't remember the guy
2: to like a six man so it wasn't the same team my example would be andre gadala who came up with the sixers um was like their primary creator but i he didn't do it in philadelphia obviously yeah
1: if you want different teams again, Derek Rose is a great example, but yeah, he, he, what, he didn't do it on the bulls. Cause it's a and that was
2: it's a triggered di- by injuries too, right? Yeah. So.
0: yeah. It's a different proposition if you're, if it's the same organization, I think.
1: Yeah. I, that's why I agree. And that's why like, if you're an OB believer like I am and you think Obi should start like I do, it's just hard to see that happening with Randall here. And, uh, Again, with Tibbs being like a lock to return, is that does that mean like how is he going to give Obi more minutes? We know he can he could if he got more creative with smaller lineups and uh, playing them together, but he won't. We know he won't, so that's why. Like I said, sixty forty. Randall very much irked me, but I believe in Obi. I'm an Obi believer, so.
0: So you're pretty confident that Obi wasn't, like, one of these guys who hits, like, 350 in September because it's it's minor league pitching, and then the next year you find out something, you know? Well,
1: that's why I said it's not because of the threes. Even when he was playing as Randall's backup for most of the year and was not hitting those threes, mm-hmm. he was shooting a, a very high percentage from inside the arc. Mm-hmm. And
2: the team was better with him on the floor. By um, a and the team was low. better
1: with him on the floor. They play with more pace. They were better defensively. They rebounded well. Um, it's just, and it's just a you know a spirit that he brings. Not to you know get too abstract. But that's what the show is all about. Get as abstract as you want. Yeah. And one thing that I I did worry before. Uh, one thing it's not the shooting that he showed me at the end of the year. It's that you know one of the critiques was, oh sure, he can do it in 12 minutes a game. he can run the court you know like a demon and and you know outrun people. Oh sure if you anyone could do that for 12 minutes, can he do it with starters minutes? And he was playing 40 minutes at the end and he was still beating everyone down <coughs> the court. He's an incredible athlete, incredibly conditioned and like I said, I just uh, I'm a, even throw the throw the three point <coughs> shot away. I'm a believer. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll add a couple of things to that. So kind of to steel man the case for Randall a little bit, I thought you were going to ask, Matt, is there a player who had the kind of roller coaster that Randall has had where <coughs> bad year, amazing year, bad year again, right? I mean, I think people have said that could Randall be the first player ever to win most improved player twice?
1: <laughs>
2: um, and a name that comes to mind is Pascal Siakam. Who is a similar? T- I think Pascal Siakam is more talented, <clears throat> but he's also twenty-seven. Uh, two years ago, he averaged twenty-three points a game. He hit thirty-six percent of his threes on six attempts a game. Seven rebounds, three and a half assists, only two and a half turnovers. <clears throat> and last year, his shooting just cratered to under thirty percent. This year, it hasn't. He's at thirty-four percent on three attempts a game. Which is that's like a guy who's not really a shooter, and if you've watched the Raptors, like that's not really his role. But he's he's come he's bounced back in that role as a creator. So that would be something like, and that would be maybe more of a hybrid role because it's helped the Raptors. It's probably helped Siakam too that they have they added Scotty Barnes. Um, you know they have Van Fleet. The roles are a little bit more defined. O- Uji Ananobi has taken a step. So maybe maybe having more ball handlers will take Randall out of that. Although I, th- I would say I think they had them this year. And for whatever reason, whether it's Tibbs or Randall, uh, and that goes to Joe's point, it's like it might not be either one of them by themselves, but it's that combination that just feels toxic. Like, I don't know if you guys watch The Sopranos, but um, Schwinney posted a pretty funny picture of. Um, Anyway, and I think the fourth season, uh, one of the main characters from *Sopranos*, who's an addict, um, you know, is going to, he's um, going to Narcotics Anonymous or whatever, and meets a woman, and they get into a relationship, and they basically just enable each other with drugs, and they're just terrible for each other. And um, that was the metaphor that Schweeny used for the the, the analogy. Um, so I I think that that's it's really that combination to your point joe i'll also add on ob's threes um i think the ob's like ob's threes and the fact that they're going in was kind of a sigh of relief for me it's like okay i need to know that he can do this like like he needs to not be a 23 percent three point shoot or whatever but i think in his defense like he's getting one or two attempts in a five minute stint like you know, and I, 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 you know, there's been people who are like that doesn't mean anything. Should we just give bad shooters more attempts? No, but I think that like we shouldn't, we shouldn't overweight that sample. And we should learn that even if that adds up to a lot of attempts over time, there's reason to be skeptical that that's how he really shoots. And in fact, if you go to Darko, if you go to Darko, you know, it's an analytics site. They have good models on, on how people regress. Opie's at 35.6%. That's his considered his true three-point shooting rate, which I think all of us would take, with given what, as Joe mentioned, everything else he can do. That's higher than Randall's, by the way. Um, and you saw that. And I'm going to use this to plug another Nick, who I think is an excellent shooter, who's shooting in the mid-20s from three. And that's Deuce McBride. And like everyone's like, well, he can't shoot. And I'm like, yeah, he gets three minutes at a time, and he gets to take one And that's it. And it could be a late shot clock thing. It could be just you know somebody's throwing him something. Like I don't think you can really draw too much from that. And sure enough, Deuce's Darko projection is also still pretty high because he's great Um, free throw shooter. Obviously, he's shot the. I mean, he was a forty percent three point shooter in college. Excellent shooter in the G League. You can see it. You can watch either of them shoot. Obi, I think, like is still a little mechanical, but his release is fine. So. To answer the original question, I would put it more at 75, 25, Obi and Randall. Like if Obi hadn't shown this, I would be more worried about trading Randall. But it's like he's always produced. And and this is with other like the thing that we always look at the lobs and like the long passes and people are like, oh, he cherry picks. But A, another stat that's interesting to me is that like when when he's on the floor, the Knicks grab 26% of available defensive rebounds. When he's off the floor, they grab um, a little under... So they grab more. So, so it's the opposite. It's when he's on the floor, when he's off the floor, they grab 26% of... Um, They grab 74% of defensive rebounds. So they give up 26% offensive rebounding rate. And when he's on the floor, they grab um, fewer. It's about 1.3%. They grab 1.3% fewer rebounds, which is not a huge... Difference. But think about what he adds in terms of every time he leaks. He's pretty intelligent about it also if you watch. Like, I don't think he, – he's not the guy who's just leaving his man to go try to get a basket. And it's also like there's so many times in transition where he doesn't get the ball, but because, like, he's running down the court. Like, I don't – the transition assists I don't think are counted like that. You know, or what I'm saying is off-ball transition assists or assists from running the floor, but that's a type of assist – because, like, because like two guys are going with Obi to protect the lob, quickly or Grimes or someone else walks into an open three. Um, if we, if I, if they did keep Randall, I could talk myself into believing maybe he plays Randall only 30 minutes next year. Um, maybe he plays Obi the other 18, and maybe Obi gets another six because Mitch obviously can't go 48 jericho sims is still a work in progress maybe they get rid of noel and they give ob6 at center with randall so that gets him to 24 minutes i could talk myself into that but again i have to ask myself like at that position is Randall worth the extra money when you look at how the offense as a whole performs not who is the better individual player is randall worth that extra money and i keep coming back to know and i would say 75 percent of that at least is what is is all of the impact that OB has. And last thing I'll say in this, I've been talking for a while. If you, I've watched the playoffs the last two days. And one common argument you hear from a lot of Tibbs defenders is, well, they need a closer. They don't have a closer. That's why the Knicks have bad second off offense. It devolves into ISO. And that's what the playoffs are like. So they're not going anywhere anyway. Watch the playoffs. And there are a lot of possessions that devolve into ISO or someone having to hit a tough shot after they've run three or four actions and the way the ball moves and the processing and the decisions that people make on playoff teams, that's a far cry from the Knicks. But one player who exhibits that ability is Obi Toppin and that matters. And I think for where we want to go, that's, that's really important.
0: Speaking of the playoffs, I'm going to be asking Stacey and Joe a question about the playoffs before that question. Are you planning ahead for any major expenses in your life? Maybe getting that Cadillac you've always dreamed of, or maybe you own a Springfield nuclear power plant and you have to get ready for Three Stooges Syndrome. Don't put those car repairs or medical bills on a high-interest credit card. Credit Karma can help you look for a low-interest personal loan that can save you money while you pay off your purchase. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find the loan offers, that are personalized to you, so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval, so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free, won't affect your credit scores, and could save you money. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to find a loan for you. That is creditkarma.com slash loanoffers. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. Joe flid a lot of playoff drama the last couple of days. There are 16 non-Knicks teams in the playoffs. Normally to that, we say, who cares? But, there's still air time to fill, so I want to know series by series where the Nick fan and you finds yourself rooting. For example, Eastern Conference top series is um, Miami against Atlanta, two teams that Nick fans have normally reason to root against. The Heat are our great blood enemy over time and Atlanta was kind of a bunch of dicks last year. Who are you rooting for or against as a Knicks fan?
1: So I thought I was going to be rooting for Atlanta because I am an older Knicks fan and I have hatred of Miami going back decades. Um, One thing I, I found about Miami this year, and this goes back to my... Absolute love of Emmanuel quickly. I just like for the last two years, like even when they were good, last, even when the Knicks were good last year, they just could not solve Miami. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got swept by Miami. Uh, They hadn't beaten Miami in Miami. They hadn't beaten the heat in Miami in like six years. And that last game where they were behind huge and – Tibbs just kind of waved the white flag and just let Quickly and McBride uh, in just play the whole fourth quarter and Quickly just absolutely dominated them and brought the Knicks all the way back. There's just something like every time I see the Heat now, it just kind of warms my heart. I think about that game. That might have been my favorite game of the year. <laughs> um, and now I watch them, and in game one, they just demolished the hawks and they just humiliated trey young which is i mean i i i loved it so i was surprised um also you know trey you know beating cleveland and doing his thing again uh just not, don't like him I, I respect him i respect the hell out of him but uh don't like the guy and mm. uh again it goes back i could throw in another quickly is great Uh, anecdote. In uh, the second or third game, they played the Heat. Not the Heat, the the Hawks. Um, Trey had like 30 points in three quarters, and they put... Again, Tibbs waved the white flag, think in his mind, put in IQ. Uh, Trey did not score again until the Knicks had come all the way back and uh, had conquered the Hawks. So Again, in this one, I just, I'm just i just thinking, when I watch the game, I'm just like, IQ's awesome. Uh, <laughs> these Screw these guys. Uh, but yeah, Trey Young, uh, don't like him. The Heat, don't like him either. IQ, I like that guy.
2: So what's your final verdict then?
1: I would say I'm rooting for the Heat. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, um,
2: did Jeff Van Gundy hang on Alonzo Morning's leg so that we could root for the Heat?
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it feels terrible. Uh, I, of course, this is not the only Sophie's Choice that we face in the not. Eastern Conference playoffs. It is
0: so. not.
2: No, that No, this is far from the worst. I think we all know what the worst one is, yeah. and I had no qualms about taking a lot of joy in one of those today. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I would say... uh. I don't know. I was talking about this with Schwinn. I kind of I still am gonna root against Trey Young, but he has endeared himself to me a little bit. He's a he's a fantastic player. He does yep. he does his bullshit. He's also a fantastic player. He's, he's arguably one of the top five passers in the NBA. And I'm not just talking about guys who rack up assists. The creativity, um, like he can shoot from anywhere. He he plays with joy, which is what we love about iq and induce like if iq decided to work out with trey young this summer i think that'd be awesome because i don't think he'll be that level of player but it's a similar type of thing um i do think trey is an awful defender and not close to iq in that regard but i don't I it's it's tough for me because um i don't hate him in the same way i did last year but also i kind of I like the Heat and the Celtics. I don't know if you feel the same way, but the Heat and the Celtics are two teams I grew up hating. Yep. And I kind of like the players on their teams and the coach. I like, I like Eric Spolster a lot. So I'm Asian American. I think that kind of is more meaningful than I think I've realized before, but I like Spolster because of that, uh, as well as the fact that I think he's one of the top two coaches in basketball. Um, so is no, it Tim it's...
0: Spolster for you or Spolster? <laughs> To. Uh I
2: well, I Kurt Rambis isn't currently coaching, but he would be number one. So. Um, but um, and I I like um, so I like what he's done for a while. Um, he gave my alma mater our coach, who I I loved Juwan Howard. Um, and then you have their team, the way they play, like what he does with Bam. Like it's tough to hate Jimmy Butler, to be honest. Like he's just a like especially Tyler you,
1: Hero on the other hand.
2: Tyler uh, Hero we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> the the guy who I will soon will soon be surpassed by Emmanuel quickly once we get, once he finally gets some minutes. Um, that series, I guess I would be pulling. I guess at this point I'm like, I'm I I, I want the better teams to win, besides one series because or the higher seeded teams to win besides one series because there is absolutely just as one team I I at no there is no way I would. Be remotely happy about anything in the world if this team were to win. So um, yeah, I'm going to root for the Heat because they probably have the better chance of knocking them off.
0: I'm going for the Hawks because I don't hate the players on the Heat, but like they're just not fun to watch play for me. Like I, I, Trey Young is fun to watch play. Like he is. If that guy's a Nick in three years. They will fucking throw rose petals in front of him, like, wherever he goes in the city. Like, he is so fun, just just in terms of entertainment value. And so I'd rather see them advance than watch, like, Jimmy Butler and bio getting, like, 19 free throws between them. Like, I don't, I don't need that in my, like, Kyle Lowry drawing four charges. It wins games. I don't want to see it. I want to see Trey pulling up from the logo, like, four times a game. Obviously, the big series that we cannot avoid talking about. Milwaukee and Chicago, um, the Bucs <laughs> playing out game one today. This doesn't have all the obvious um, present-day energies, maybe, um, but certainly old-time Nick fans will have a thing with the Bulls, and even older-time Nick fans will have a thing with the Bucks. So
2: yeah.
0: um, I feel this way, I think, the way that you were saying, Stacey, about Miami and maybe Boston. Like, while I hate the Bulls historically and always shall, I don't really hate this particular team. I don't really have reason to, um, but I like. I just like the Bucks, and so I want Bulls fans to have nothing. Plus, I really don't like that everyone said the Bulls would be good, and they were. Like, I want. I wanted. To, I want their season to end on a bad note. I want them to end feeling bad about themselves. Yes, so I'm rooting for the Bucks. Anyone else wants to jump in on Milwaukee Chicago? I feel
1: like this is going to be unanimous pro Bucks yeah. crowd. Um, first of all, the the fact that the they finished with a worse net rating than the Knicks and uh, yeah. ended up. I mean, let's you know just that kills me. The DeRozan thing, the early season Bulls fans like oh,
2: <laughs> you know. <laughs>
1: Because I, I said I talked some shit last Yeah, me summer. too. <laughs> uh, I thought the Knicks were going to be better. I mean, in a way, they were. Not wins and losses, you know, net rating. I didn't specif- specifically say why they would be better. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I said that DeRozan signing was bad. Obviously, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Though he was terrible today, and I enjoyed that. Um, I, he's a good guy, but, like, oh, just, I don't know. He's a nice guy and everything though watching him play like watching him draw like a million fouls the last because he's like shooting mid-range jumpers and the he's getting fouls you know he's drawing fouls somehow it's it's just obnoxious um he's not even going to the basket and uh so yeah go bucks the bucks are the one east like the most likable eastern conference contender in my mind
2: yeah and we didn't mention the biggest reason why who i will Um, Of course, that's Brook Lopez, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But uh, And I have a bonus question related to that. But on the Bulls, yeah, I mean, I went through a whole cycle. I was very adamant, and I did feel like it was disrespectful um, that a lot of people were writing off the Knicks and hyping up the Bulls. And I thought that they were underestimating the fact they didn't have rim protection. And for, like, half the season, that looked like it was wrong. And I liked the way they did it because they did it with Lonzo and Caruso. Like, I've always been a guard and like when I play, I'm like very much a defense first guy. Um, and so I love like that's probably my favorite part of the game is like locking someone up. So like I kind of like Caruso and Lonzo for that reason. And I loved how like they were they kind of challenged the conventional wisdom that you need a rim protector. We're like, we're just gonna put three, four guys out there who can switch and make life hell for you. And if you get to the rim and, and score over Vooch, fine. But I liked what they did early in the season. That said, obviously they have a lot of noxious fans. Um, with DeRozan, um, uh, I think with DeRozan, it's not so much him as a player even, but it is kind of like the opposite of the James Harden thing, where if you think James Harden is the poster boy for analytic basketball, DeMar DeRozan is like the poster child for real Hooper basketball. And everyone's like, look how great this guy is. Like He's we back. need to, we need to go back to like 1980s basketball. I'm like, well, there's a middle ground, right? Like, I think you can, a uh, Middleton ground maybe. um where you can kind of understand that yeah like all else equal you probably want open three-point shots but obviously like being able to hit contested middies is is like a a, a great skill uh and it's so a lot of the chatter around it is what kind of i don't think any of us really hate a lot of these players or anything um but i mean it's still the bucks for me um yeah for the same reason i mentioned before that besides one team well i want the higher seats to win because i want to make sure that one team absolutely does not get close to coming out of the East or winning, um, and um, and also Giannis is one of the most likable players. As a follow up, I asked this on Twitter today, and I asked this to a few people. Uh, and I know, I think both of you are probably have watched more of, of uh, both of these players, or at least the other player I'm going to mention. Who would you take between Giannis and Hakeem Olajuwon at this point?
1: Ooh. At this point, like, where was Hakeem? Like, because Hakeem kind of was, I don't want to say a late bloomer, but he was not – no, no, no. He made the finals in 86, right, yeah, with Ralph Sampson. Yeah, I mean,
2: the only – maybe he's he, – he, like, he was he was the second best player in his draft class off the bat, and that's only – the only reason that happened was because – Jordan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Sam Bowie, let's put it like do that. Do you
0: mean so, – yeah. who, who do you take – Giannis versus Hakeem at their peak or at this stage of Giannis' career versus Hakeem at the same stage of his career?
2: I think you can answer both, but it sounds like the way you're answering it kind of clues me into how you're thinking about both of those.
0: I mean, Antetokounmpo right now is still younger than Olajuwon, is still earlier in his um, career than Olajuwon was in the mid-90s when he was like sublime. Um, that's a great question because yeah. you know it, it has that same it runs into the same quandary that they always do which is you know in my all i can do is take a larger i think versus his era and compare that to Giannis versus his because if i'm going to project Giannis back into the 80s and 90s like now that's a different you know completely different proposition and same thing with putting larger like in the game now um <clears throat> the fact that I don't have an answer yet um, tells me that as long as nothing catastrophic happens in Antetokounmpo's future, like he's going to be ahead of Olajuwon to me, which is not something that I say lightly. Um,
2: that's a top 10 player all time. Easy. Yeah.
0: He's yeah. on
1: the path.
2: Definitely. Yeah,
0: he is. I mean, he really seems like he is. That's what he's there. He doesn't. I don't know. You don't know anything about anyone, but like he plays, when I mean you see his game from year to year and you remember like what he was like and all the like, he was always gifted, but he had so many rough spots and blind spots. And now it's down to like, I hope he misses some threes because otherwise there's nothing you can do. Um, And he's, he's so, that's such a great question. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I think uh Hakeem, was in some ways the perfect player for his era because he. It was still the age of centers, mm-hmm. and he dominated the other centers mm-hmm. um, in his era. He dominated Young Shaq. He yep. dominated Ewing. Ewing, as much as I hate to say it, uh, he really, really dominated David Robinson, uh, who apparently he hated. Which adds uh, to my no,
0: argument he... that Patrick Ewing is technically the greater center, despite. Yeah. Despite the hype,
2: and I'll I'll add on to that. There, they did a subsequent interview. I don't think Hakeem hated Robinson, I think he used the loss of, he admitted actually the year I think that you're referring to yeah. where he dominated in the series that, um, that MVP, Robinson, yeah. that Robinson deserved the MVP, but it served as his motivation, I think, to like just be like, well, Yeah, he's a, I he's am that good, dude, <laughs> he's
1: a good dude, but uh, yeah, he. he he had a Jordan-esque way of uh, finding beads to uh, to get in to people. But y- Giannis is in some ways like just – I mean, he is the freak. Like he doesn't – you know, when you think of this era, you probably think of like Steph Curry, uh, the guy who's like emblematic of the era. And Giannis is very – as far away as a great player can be from Steph Curry. Like he doesn't do those things. So – they're very uh, Hakeem and Giannis.
2: But I, th- I think to that point, right? Like Hakeem was also six ten on a good day. He dominated as a big man, being kind of a smaller big man. And Giannis has dominated really as a guard, being a ginormous guard in the era. So in the era of the big man, Hakeem dominated by being an under or not massive big man. Mm-hmm. And is dominated in the era of the guard, or the wing, by being a massive guard wing, right? Yeah. They're,
1: they're, they're, it's an interesting case. I, I, I will refuse to answer. <laughs> I don't
0: know. That's fair, too. That's fair. Uh, Sixers, Raptors, Stacey?
2: Um, ooh. Uh, I'm going to go Sixers because I love Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, and that uh, overshadows my distaste for... Um, James Harden, but and I always I went to Doc Rivers basketball camp when I was a kid. He actually lived in my hometown when he played for the Knicks. So I I actually even though I know a lot of people hate the Sixers, I don't have a rough spot for them. I will say I love what the Raptors are building and I love how they play defense and like all that length. And I think that's something the Knicks should emulate.
1: Yeah, I will say, I'm going to go with Raptors. I actually, of all the Atlantic teams, I hate the Sixers the least. Mm. I might even hate the Raptors a little bit more. Um, But I'm going to go with the Raptors. Again, my reason for all things being Emmanuel Quickly, just, you know, I wanted to see them, like, come out and dominate the Sixers in game one because, like, the last game they played before that, they themselves were dominated (laughs) by Quickly and Obi. Um, just they are a freakish team of uh, long mutants, and it is very interesting.
2: And it's such an interesting strategy because most people they didn't worry about. Oh, can you space the floor if you play Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and Chris Boucher and uh, Precious? Adichu-. They were just like they. I mean, I think they believe in their development, but I, I and I love what the Cavs did by being willing to play three seven footers. For the same reasons I love the Suns who went small ball and played Amari at the five when everyone was saying like mm, man ball, right? I love the teams that are now challenging the conventional wisdom around um around spacing and like different ways to manufacture that too. And and so I like the Raptors a lot. I think that could be a fun series, but um but I will say I like I like Tyrese Maxey partly because of Emmanuel Quickly. Like, yeah. I got into Emmanuel Quickly scouting Tyrese Maxey because I was watching Kentucky and I just kept noticing exactly. Quickly. And but they they're like best friends. They play with such joy. Uh, hopefully that recruitment will bring uh <laughs> Maxey up I-95 at some point, but you know, we'll see.
0: The correct answer is the 76ers not only because Doc Rivers is a one-time Nick, but also because the Raptors eliminated the Knicks in the 2001 playoffs
2: gave us Andrea Bargnani, but
0: <laughs> that's another reason. See, that's even another yeah. reason. So go, Sixers. Um, and okay. Then in the. Don't, don't, I mean, Celtics, Nets, you know, there's no right answer. I've seen a lot of different feelings about this. I have one particular team that I will be supporting, but I'm interested in what our guest has to say about this matchup.
1: Okay. Uh, God. After so many years of being like there's no rivalry, I don't care about the Nets. I'm going to have to break all my oaths. And uh I'm root- I was absolutely rooting for the Celtics. Game
0: of really Thrones on. level shit. Look at this. The alliance turns because yes. the true evil coming from the north is actually coming, coming from Brooklyn. The
1: river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. I just uh, – first of all, there are many likable guys on the Celtics. I think Ime Imeodoka is a very great, handsome coach. I wanted really? – I actually wrote an article for PNT that he should have been – instead of uh, instead of Tibbs, Imi Odoka should have been the coach because uh, he was handsome enough to reach Frank Nilekina <laughs> on a handsome man-to-handsome man level. He would have gotten the most out of Frank. There's no
0: way Tibbs was relating to Frank Delicino. No, play.
1: no, yeah, no, too too beautiful, Tibbs can't, <laughs>
2: He wouldn't that. have been worried about uh about Frank stealing Neil, Neil His long. Wife, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So they're just uh the Celtics and you know the Knicks beat them twice. So you know if the Celtics go on to the finals, I'd be like, oh we'll, oh yeah, we'll remember RJ's game winner. Uh,
2: yeah. That well, the two of the best games, the first game of the season.
0: Yep. Yeah, 28 game.
2: And the RJ game winner, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I am unequivocally hundred percent pro Celtics. Um, I don't care if this makes it a rivalry anymore. I have the only feeling I have towards the Brooklyn Nets is pure unadulterated hatred. Uh, everything about them, everything from them appropriating York, everything from them playing Biggie songs when he's a Knicks fan, uh, when he was a Knicks fan, um, everything from their dark ass arena. Uh, everything from um, the fact that Kyrie was loud, an attention seeker, an anti-vaxxer, a flat earther, uh, everything from KD running away from OKC because he couldn't beat the Warriors to join and get some BS rings. Um, I hate everything about them. I hate Bruce Brown and like how much he's runs his mouth for being a role player. Um, I gen- The only player I like a little bit is like uh, Patty Mills because I respect what he did with the Spurs. I hate the Nets. I don't think they should exist as a team. I hate their owner. Uh, I'm not going to get us in any kind yeah, of surveillance don't, by don't saying why. It. So I'm just going to say, leave it at that. Um, I hate the hypocrisy with how they're framed on ESPN while the Knicks, are, Knicks and their fans are looked at as bad guys, like the big market bad guys, and they're unethical when you look at who the Nets are and who their fans are. Um, I hate the Nets. I genuinely the I would think this was the worst playoffs ever if the Nets – Got out of the first round, let alone won the won the NBA title, and I hope the Celtics sweep them, and I was genuinely glad to see Kyrie sad. Um, so, yeah. I don't know if that was ambiguous at all, but...
0: I'll, I'll check the tape afterwards and make sure. Um, so, there's a really good chance that the Nets could lose the series, and if the Nets do lose the series, it would mean that three years into the KD and Kyrie era, they will have basically accomplished what the Melo stat Knicks did, which was beat the Celtics once, and that's it. Can you imagine if the Knicks get Katie and Kyrie a couple years ago and then get a third star, but have to backtrack and turn him into Ben Simmons, who's not even available to play, and you might, after three years, have one round to your credit, the amount of shit the Knicks would get if that was them Mm -hmm. Would be unpre- It would be unprecedented. Yeah. Because the Knicks have never be, been yeah, that good special. and fallen that short. The Knicks are not usually good, but when the Knicks have ever been good for a sustained period of time, they have accomplished something. You know, the Nets could get out of this year. I mean, that's, that's embarrassing. There's
1: something about the fact that, yeah, that K- KD. Uh, and Kyrie have have stumbled onto this idea that like, man, we can live in New York but get none of the scrutiny that a New York team would usually get. Yeah. for failure. Yeah, and like they love it or
2: being an anti so obnoxious or a flat or, or any of that. And either.
0: it translates yeah. to the if translates at least to Nets Twitter and Nets Daily and shit because
2: like well, I, went on, I went on Nets
0: what? Daily tonight to see. I wanted to see like I wanted to see the suffering, but I wanted to see like the <laughs> was. and I should have known, of course. There's this whole, like, you know what? I mean, Durant didn't even shoot well, and the Celtics gave us their best shot, and they had they still barely wanted the buzzer, so, like, we're fine. And it's this thing that, like, everything that happens in the Nets universe gets this blasé response from the fans, from some of the fans, that, like, it's all just... They have, like, this religious fervor that everything that goes wrong is actually okay, because they just have this deterministic faith that they are destined to succeed, and they haven't actually done anything. Like if you judge them by the standards of any other team, everything they gave up for Harden, and then a year later they've got to piss and backtrack on that, and now the guy they brought in is—is is he available? Like, even even if Simmons comes back, what can you expect from a guy who hasn't played in a calendar year? Yep. But the, they're I not, the Nets. And I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but they'll still be the seventh story. You go to the, either the, any of the papers and go to the sports section, there's going to be three Yankee stories, two Mets, probably something on the Rangers, and then the Nets.
2: Probably yeah, something on the Knicks offseason, too. Sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it's just something about the
1: idea that fans don't matter. Like, like the the passion of the fans doesn't like matter, and that's where I get into like the, the, the just there's no scrutiny. You can live in New York and you just there's no there's no scrutiny yeah. at all. There's something just to, that yeah. And think of all the the crap that Patrick Ewing got all those years, like, and he made a game seven of the finals, and you know he was he he's not as talented as KD, um, Kyrie. That's uh, I you know that's a tough comparison, but. Just, I'm sorry. No, hate him.
2: Hate him. Yeah, and I'll add to be on kind of a more positive note, I'll agree with what Joe said. I do, I like Imaidoka. I like, um, I mean, Tatum, it's tough to hate Tatum at this point. Yeah, Brown's awesome. Off the court. It's tough kind of blah, j- blah. Tatum's
1: just kind of there. He's a good guy, good good player. Yeah, he's a fun
2: player to watch. Um, I've always actually liked Marcus Smart. Um that's who I want Deuce McBride to be, but with a way better jump shot. Yep. Uh, and I, I can see that outcome. Better looking, too. Um, And I think they're very, I mean, the way they play defense, like, they're, I mean, they're a real threat, by the way, uh, especially if they get Robert Williams back. <coughs> so, um, yeah. And defense. that that can kind of outweigh their fans, I guess, so. Let's go to the movie. And the thing about America.
1: Celtics fans either I hate them, sorry, but I mean I hate Celtics fans, but if they lose, they will feel bad. Well, yeah. And it will be like, you know, oh, we were the second seed and we lost. Right. It just it they can feel pain. <laughs> Mets fans don't have like emotions
0: like real fans. <laughs> they're they're psych- they're, the they're robots. Say it. They're, they're psychopaths.
1: They're robots. Breaking I mean, news. Just,
0: yeah. Mets fans are psychopaths. So over to the loser conference. Um, mm. Phoenix versus Pelicans, anything? You know, Jake Williams was once a Nick. Um, Pelicans have Zion. Any vibes on this one? Uh,
1: yeah, I feel like the Zion thing isn't moving me at the moment. And uh, like I said, the Pelicans did their job. Why? They're done. They got us that 11th pick. So you're not hating on them. Anymore. They're going to bow out in four because the Suns are that good. Okay. And, you know, good for them. Who cares?
2: I will say the Pelicans are doing a good job of – they were really getting smoked. It's a 12-point game in the fourth. It, it seems like one of those 12-point – it seems like a little bit like a Knicks fake comeback. But fake comebacks in the playoffs, I think, are a little bit more Yeah. Um, valuable. But um, I will say um, – I don't, on the one hand, I also like some of the, like, I like Jose Alvarado. I think those who are not familiar with this story, he's from Brooklyn, undrafted free agent, um, got himself a contract, really plays it to, he gave, gave quickly a lot of problems. Um, but the Suns are, I mean, the, the Suns getting a title would be cool. Um, I also, like I said, like, especially when the Knicks were down, uh, during the early two thousands, uh, Steve Nash was always one of my favorite players growing up. And, um, I, I always like this. I think, I don't think there's ever, like, the Suns have always played kind of an up tempo style. They had, they had Nash. Before that, they had Marbury, who was, like, kind of in that same mold. Um, you know, they, I like that team. When we, when we hired Hornacek, one of the reasons I liked him was he had that fun team with three guards. This year, they're stacked, and I felt a little bit bad for them last year. And I think they're the best team in basketball. And, and Monty's an awesome coach. So, um, to rules, Grizzlies. That's not a, a tough fan one. of
1: John Morant. Uh, I mean, I'm am a fan. He's a good basketball player. Just uh, the shit he talks. Uh, not feeling it, especially. He talks a lot of shit for a guy whose team played so well without him. Like maybe <laughs> calm that down a little bit. Your team was like a like twenty and two with you with you out. Right. Um. Uh. Desmond Bain. I wanted Desmond Bain, but he annoys me in the fact that people say that. Like, for the quickly pick, oh, why didn't you pick Desmond Bain? Shut that's up. That's like three people on Twitter quick... who
2: are just trying to be contrarian. Yeah, that's really annoying. <laughs>
0: so.
2: The
1: Timberwolves, uh, the Timberwolves have su- their fans. I like they have their best players.
0: I like Kat. I like Edwards a lot. And I like Russell. Yeah. I love McDaniels.
2: And and when you look at Ant, like, from what Joe said, right? Jaw talks a lot of shit. Personally, Ja's shit talking doesn't bother me as much, but, like, Anthony Edwards will say whatever's on his mind. And sometimes that is shit talking. Like he had that quote last year. um, Yeah. yeah, He had the quote where he was like, he's the one we want to take the shot. And I think everyone forgot about it in like a month because like, he's just so likable. Yeah. And he's incredibly, I mean, for like I had, he was my second, he was second on my board that year after LaMelo. And I'm still holding to that, but man, it's getting tough to hold onto that. Not a knock on LaMelo at all it's just Ant is so good and so young and he's just improving so rapidly. Like he can pull up from anywhere. He's a freak athlete. Um, he's gotten a lot better on defense, I think. Uh, and I've also, I'll also say i felt pretty bad for Kat. I think um, he's gone through a lot over the year, last year or two, lost several family members to COVID gone through a lot of criticism that somewhat unwarranted, I think. Um, you know, the last in the play-in game, he had a bad game and everyone just killed him on Twitter. Um, I think that, you know, I, I I like Kat and I, I don't think he's a, he doesn't seem like a particularly, you know, unlikable guy. Um, I think the way the Memphis has built their team is something that Nick should model themselves after. I do like watching John Morant. Um, but then, yeah, like they also have that hype and like, we're. And every time Memphis isn't on TV and the Knicks are, we just have to hear a thousand times about how great they are. Um, Yeah, I'll go with Minnesota. And good point on McDaniels too. I don't know if it was um, Joe mentioned it or Matt, but um, yeah, McDaniels is one of my favorite players. I actually, um, he had a little bit of a, I thought he would really blow up this year, but he's still so useful and he makes so many great plays for them. Perfect compliment to Katz. So. And I think that's for a two seven series. I think that really isn't up like not just because they won game one. It's just uh, I think that's just going to be up in the air. And there's so many wild cards there, right? Who is who is cat? Can cat really be? Cat is probably the most talented player in the series. But John Morant has been really good all year. Who's going to be the best player in the series? Exactly how good can Anthony Edwards be in his first experience and only in his second year in the league? Um, if game one is any kind of indicator. Uh, Really damn good, and not shaken at all by that. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of performance you talk about years later when you're talking about Hall of Famers. That's the kind of performance he looked like when you consider his age. Um, so I think it'll be a fun, I think it's one of the most fun series. So, but I, I think Gap yeah, Minnesota, I think is what I would go with.
0: Golden State, Denver. Yeah, I find
1: I find Jokic stands like obnoxious most of them. Like, even though he's, the like, the MVP, and, like, oh I agree God. that he's the MVP, just, just something about, like, how can you talk about Giannis? Don't you realize, like, the, the is difference beautiful. in, like, he has a higher VORP than Michael Jordan? <laughs> like, stuff like that, you know? That's like. <laughs> <laughs> true.
0: That's
2: true. Yeah, so. that whole debate has been so annoying. First of all, the Giannis fans are the quietest, I think, even though if I had to pick one player to actually win a championship to build around, I'm taking him still, and that's like I'm personally on the Jokic over Embiid side of the debate, but both sides have been, it's just real hoopers versus analytics people, but all of the straw men and the tropes just taken to an absurd extreme and it's lost all nuance, right? Um, I'm going with golden state. I'm a huge Jordan pool fan. Um, I he went to Michigan. What can I say? He not just went to Michigan. He put Michigan to the sweet 16 with a buzzer beater from about 35 feet. Um, Always when he was in high school and we recruited him, I was into him from then because he got they mentioned Steph Curry in his scouting report, and I was like, Oh my god. As fate would have it, he ended up playing next to Steph Curry. Um and I think that I mean I've always like when they had KD, I did not like the Warriors, but like it's tough to like Steph is probably my favorite player of all time. Um Draymond is just I have like a love and hate relationship with him, but his defense on Jokic in game one was so good. Like, and it was, it wasn't like, it was nothing. It wasn't even like some of the stuff that Rodman maybe got away with were like, like the bad boys. It was just really, really good defense. He made Jokic's life hell. Mm-hmm. And I think, and this is not a knock on Jokic. I think if he had Murray, if he had some more guns, he'd be in a better spot. And I think the, the Warriors just outgunned them, especially the way Poole is playing with Clay coming back, Steph coming back. Um, you know, Kuminga barely played, right? And he was one of their best um, rookies. So, yeah, they're a fun team. And I think there's, I, I mean, I think Steph getting it this year, Steph getting a ring this year would be a great uh, kind of capstone for him.
1: And then they could trade Kuminga and Moody for Julius Randle <laughs> next season and really dominate.
0: <laughs> At some point, they have to challenge themselves, and that would be a great Yeah, <laughs> yeah, home. there you go. Yeah. I would say Golden State not only because I, I want to see them win and enjoy watching them play, but because I'm enjoying everything to me gets back to like feeling that Patrick Ewing was disrespected. So I like Jokic having a very like act one of Patrick Ewing's career was dragging like not good teams not very far, but like no one could have done more than that. And Jokic without not his, his just not his fault or obviously anything, but without Porter and without Murray. I have no interest in – like, I think Jokic has dragged this team as far as he can. Like, I don't think they're going to get any farther. I don't think anyone else could have done better with Denver than Jokic did. Um, But now I want his team to lose, so I have another little pebble in my, like, mountain of evidence that Patrick Ewing was underrated and continues to be underrated um, historically. I
1: also like to um, annoy Jokic stands by – if they were to lose – by saying that because Carmelo Anthony's uh thuggets squad actually got to the conference finals you know uh, and, you know took the Lakers to six games you know technically they were the better team and he was the better player so you know <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: that was a fun that was I remember that, that was series. a great team.
0: I mean, that, that was, was a, fun that team. was like, that was a fun team.
2: That's what made me a little bit temporarily a Kobe hater because I thought Mello played a really great series, mm-hmm. and then I had Kobe stands were are still out, and they were <laughs> like, "Oh my god, Kobe taught Mello a lesson." I was like, nah, I mean, uh, you know, the the Nuggets could throw an inbound pass, and it went six games, and all of that, and um, yeah. yeah, that's a big what if, right? What if what if the Nuggets win that series?
0: They would have won the title because they would have played." Um... Oh, nine, they would have so played Lando the Magic. They would have beaten the Magic.
2: And then maybe Mello resigns. Maybe the Knicks run it with Raymond Felton, Amari Stoudemire, uh, Landry Fields. Shout out Landry Fields, Danilo Gallinari. They would have ran it with Landry Fields anyway. Danilo or, Gallinari, know, Wilson really. Chandler, well, Timofei Mozgov.
1: Mazgov. yep. He forget. was the key to the deal. They tried to hold him out, but... Uh... Dolan caved.
2: Jamal Murray? That was the pick. We traded the pick to Jamal Murray in there, race. It
0: all comes back to Moscow. Um, <laughs> last series, much harder for me without KP there, but not that hard. Um, Dallas and Utah. For me, I hate Mark Cuban. I hate Dallas's unearned, smug sense of self-esteem, despite having accomplished less the last 10 years than the Knicks have. I like anything. I... I the, the Mavs, to me are the nets of the west like i need them to just keep suffering until everybody turns around and sees it so i can breathe easier cuz i need Is it
2: just cuz of the prisingus trade? No,
0: i can't stand cuban and his constant smugness and it's like like cuban is like permanently stuck in like 2005 and i'll tell you this honestly as a writing professor he spoke on some biography on tv <coughs> about how he plagiarized his papers and i fucking hate <laughs> when I spent time reading someone's paper and investing in it, and then at the end realizing it's plagiarized, I can't fucking stand that. So I've, I've hated Cuban. I still hate Cuban. I want them to suck because I want Luca to feel comfortable when he decides to join Zion on the Knicks. So I need just bad things to happen at Dallas. So, yeah.
1: Also, uh... i go for them Mark Cuban is a big Ayn Rand fan, and I believe he named his yacht the Fountainhead. So uh, I'm, sure I'm sure he did. Gotta hate that.
0: Sure um, he did.
1: Gotta hate that.
0: He's such a. Dude. I don't know.
1: I hate. I hate. I don't hate them anymore because uh, the because KP has gone. Yeah. Um, the <sighs> this is a tough
0: one. I though. want it's the good. Jazz to have a little. I want the Jazz to go home this year feeling a tiny bit okay about themselves. Yeah. And they gotta win a series the, to do that. The
1: Donovan Mitchell thing is. Yeah, just
2: that's like, we want the opposite of that, don't we, Matt? <laughs>
1: we no,
0: because I'll tell you why, because I think to get Donovan Mitchell at this point would require the Knicks to make that mellow kind of deal that I don't want them to make.
1: Yeah, I worry about that too. My dream, I think uh Stacy's talked about you know, Prez has talked about it, it would be they move up in the draft and they get that pick and then Maybe they trade that pick for Donovan Mitchell without yeah. – plus some other stuff. But it's like, man, when, when, when I think about it, I love I love watching Donovan Mitchell, but then it's like, okay, cool. You're going to have to give up RJ. But not just RJ. You're going to have to give up – Quickly, Grimes. Yeah, you're going to have to give up Toppin. You know, I want
0: the Knicks Toppin. to add a star to a good base. I don't want to exchange – the good base for the star. I've seen that. And
2: it would depend on how well they can negotiate that. Absolutely,
0: yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Look, if, if if the Knicks can make a good Donovan Mitchell trade, awesome. Um, I'm just afraid, and to to be fair, we talked about this, I think, last time, I think Dolan showed like learning over time about giving huge deals or, or paying out the, through the nose through a, a big with an injury history. So maybe he learned also, like, all right, I really should stay out of these, these negotiations, and maybe then Leon Rose takes care of it. But I'm still rooting for the Jazz because Mark Cuban's a dick, and that is the lesson. Today's episode is sponsored by Mark Cuban is a dick. The Believe Nick Show is also presented by Bet Online. It's also presented by me, Matthew Miranda, and Stacy Patton, and in this instance, and hopefully many more in the future, Joe Flynn. So for all of us, uh, thank you for joining us, and we will see you in a couple of days, probably. Thank you for listening
1: to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.